0: Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Welcome to another episode of Sweat Equity. We're in LA. It's sunny and 75. It is beautiful out today. (laughs) If you got the wide angle, you're seeing (laughs) the sun and the crazy tide. But we got JT Barnett today. Uh, huge to, to have you here. One, I feel like two, three years ago, I was starting to consume your content. You explained, essentially what you just told us, like, you got to tell your story. You got to put short form uh, or video content out there, et cetera. But give us the 30 second background because we like to keep that part short and just get straight kind of into the tactical yeah. aspects of of marketing content, et cetera. But give me the, give me the background. Yeah,
1: dude. It's always, it's always like, I feel like I freeze up when people are like, what do you do? Because I'm like, how, what are the like things that people need to know? Yeah. Uh, I was a pro hockey player. Loved making content while I was playing hockey, got out of it, started doing content as a career, trying to be an influencer in health and wellness. That took me to working with some brands. What I realized was I actually really just love how to create content and like the business of content. And a lot of the brands that I was working with had no idea what to do. They didn't know what influencers were, how to work with people. So I started doing that. That really worked for me. And that became what I wanted to like actually build a business around. So now I have a consulting firm. We go and teach brands how to make content. We teach them how to work with talent. Um, And then through that, I didn't really realize most brands, even some that want to do it, don't have the people on their team to be able to do it. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I could start talking about this in my content of is there any creators that want to go and work for companies and actually like run their account or be part of the team making content consistently. So we started a headhunting firm. So those are the two things I do, consulting and headhunting. And then the, my other like passion is really just talking about all of it yeah. in my content like you guys have seen. Yeah. yeah,
0: let's start there. So you built the first TikTok house in 2020 during the pandemic, essentially get 10 creators and you start what is like a uh, MTV real world, right? Mm-hmm. That whole thing pops off. You get a million followers or it gets a million followers in I think it's 60 days, right? Then you kind of have this other light bulb moment when Poppy reaches out to you. And Poppy's asking you to consult them and they have a video pop off with their founder. All of a sudden, it drives more sales than Shark Tank, right? Mm -hmm. And this kind of leads into your prediction of 2024 that you think these brands need to essentially build creative, internal creative teams to help them get, to to essentially help them fast track their relevance and culture. Once you're building an internal team, like what is that step though from just build, because a lot of people talk at the surface level, like you need to build an internal team. Once you have the internal team and you're there, it's like, but well, what's next? How do you get how do you get a brand to be relevant in culture after that?
1: Dude, I think it's different for everybody because it the way that I look at it is like, first, who are you making the content for? And then really, it's like, what's the infrastructure to do that? Some companies, the founder is super creative, wants to be making content, wants to be involved in everything, and is like, I know how to do this. I just don't have the time. Other companies are like, I literally want nothing to do with the content. I just want to oversee the product. I want to oversee the operations. And like, I need soup to nuts, like everything. Yeah. So I think it depends on the brand. The way that I look at it, though, is like, everybody wants to do everything fast. And because of these algorithms, because of short form, because of the opportunity, most people are trying to do something super quick. Yeah. And the way that I look at it is like, it needs to be a long term play. It needs to be looked at as a long term play from the onset of how do we build this holistically? How do we build this holistically? To be able to do this for a year or two years because most companies don't have success that quick yeah i was lucky with poppy mm. and i i like using poppy as an example because poppy is like you know it, the success was there but like with honey house we posted like a hundred videos before we had any traction yeah it was like literally like throwing things at the wall throwing things at the wall and if i hadn't built the infrastructure of like you need to come up with, these are the things that i like talking about more you need to come up with a series you need, you need to come up with multiple of them you need to know who you're talking to. You need to actually care about that person. You need to have the people around you to be able to film and edit and all of that. If those things aren't there, even if you have a moment like Poppy did, you won't be able to follow it up. And what I, what I would like to talk about more about Poppy isn't that moment that they had. It's actually what they've done for the last three years after that. Yeah, mm. That they like they built infrastructure around it to have more moments like that and more moments like that. They had a ton of sales on that day, but like that didn't get them to where they are right now. Yeah. Like it was the, f- the learnings that they took from that and they were like, oh, what did we do to, for this to happen? And now let's like continue implementing this. That's what I think people actually need to do today.
2: And you see it with, uh, you know, they're still relevant on on socials. with the, they, You saw the sleepy girl mocktail thing, I'm assuming. Yeah. Like that is such an example of playing into culture while still integrating your product. Like it's, it's a seamless execution where Poppy is, kind of an afterthought in that like in it, it's a cultural moment of like okay you want to get sleepy like you know you're not sure about like you don't want to take melatonin or you don't want to take like certain other things and then poppy's just kind of integrated into it seamlessly yeah.
1: And, yeah dude i think you need people that are of the culture yes and i think like i was i made a video the other day about like mr beast going from youtube to tiktok he wasn't like i'm going to read an analysis of what somebody put out on a report, and I'm gonna go and do that. He was like, I wanna find TikTokers that are legit, and I'm gonna have them consult, yeah. and actually teach us what we should be doing, and go and be with the people that are of the culture. And so, same with Duolingo. Yeah, Duolingo did not go and read a report, and like just go and make videos based off the report. They hired this girl named Zaria, who was literally a Gen Z creator, who understood the culture of TikTok, and was like, this is what we need to do. Yeah. So I think if you wanna be part of the culture, you have to be actually of the culture, and that's one of the ways that I'm like, that's how you actually build sustainability into it.
0: What did Poppy do operationally to be able to scale it instead of, okay, you have this one time kind of success, this one thing that pops off. It's that data point that you're like, okay, we need to do more of this. But now kind of what's next on, on scaling those operations and making sure it's efficient that I feel like in, in our world with performance marketing, we're like, okay, do we put more money here or into Meta and TikTok? How do you get it to, to the level where organic can compete with Meta and TikTok?
1: The thing that they did is they have a founder that put content almost over everything. So she was like, this is the needs to be literally the most important thing for us. So however we orient our team around this, on the tasks of the day, that's like number one or two. That's always up there. So my sister was working for Poppy at the time. So my Mm. sister was filming content. Um, We were working with Allison. So we were giving Allison scripts so that she would go and film content every day. And then the back end of that was like, what are the series that we're coming up with, yeah. and how do we make a couple of them like really quick and easy, so it's not too much of an undertaking? But then also come up with a couple that might be a little bit harder to make, but not need to do those every single day, mm. just so that they're putting some, they're putting out valuable pieces and consistency, but it's not like too taxing on the team for it yeah. to be like we're gonna we're gonna burn out and we're not gonna be able to do this. So I think it's yeah, I think it's like this is why I think it's hard for people to do. You have to understand as a, like how a creator works. You can't force creativity. Yeah. You can't push people into the ground with creative. It has to be something that is like, it ebbs and flows. You need to build it. You need to have people that can support with ideas because yeah. one person can't be relying on every idea forever. Yeah. So I just think it's, dude, it's, I look at it the same way as I look at personal training where it's like when you're trying to build in the world of content, it's like, you can't go zero to 100 in the same way when you're in a gym. Mm, you have if progress. you haven't been working out before yeah, you and you go into up. a gym, and you put 350 on a bench press, you're gonna, you're gonna be done in a day, yeah. you know? You need to like actually have, you, need to, you start slow, you start with consistency, you get the little wins and you celebrate them like they're big things. And then you just consistently do that. You start taking on more and more and more and then the machine starts rolling.
2: I'm, I'm really curious how, so you're, you're matching creators with brands. And I'd love to like hear more about that selection process and like how you vet creators and match them. because. In our last episode with Jordan, like we talked a lot about like the most important thing they look for in celebrity partnerships is actually understanding the athlete. Yeah. Because they have to amplify the athlete for the athlete to be able to amplify Nike. Mm-hmm. So with OBJ, you know, they knew he was passionate about fashion and soccer. So they took him to Paris Fashion Week and linked him up with Ronaldo. And from there on out, Odell was like, die hard. Like I'll do whatever I gotta do for Nike. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like, do you yeah. look for people like a creator? say you're matching them with someone like Poppy or someone like Elwood, for example, Mm -hmm. like, do you look for someone with a passion in streetwear, and like, do they have those overlaps? It's two
1: different kinds of things. So the the one thing is like external partnerships that are like influencers and creators and talent that are posting on their own account. And then it's like internal people that are actually creating content for the brand. So it's two completely different ways to look at it. Externally, I think you have to think about how is this actually beneficial to the creator? Yeah, Like to the talent that we're working with, if it's an influencer that rocks Elwood, it's like, if we want this to be a partnership, we need to like actually be doing something that they care about. So we need to spend time with them. That's different for everybody. Some people might be like, I just want money. (laughs) I just want to get paid for this. Other people might be like, I really actually want to spend time and help out with the product development, give you feedback. I would like to be part of community events. I would like to be, it's just like, it's relationships. It really is like, how do we actually do something that they would find valuable. And then we can give them this and it become a collaboration. Because I know on the other side of that as a creator, if I work with a brand, and they're like, here's our budget. Here's the outline of the video, go film it, send us this back, we'll give you a revision, and then we'll send you the money. I'm Like, bro, I I want to like, this is transactional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. this doesn't feel good for me. Then it doesn't feel good for my audience, because then they know that it's just a paid thing. Right. And so it's not good for the brand either. So I think the talent side is really like, how do you get a human being to, to understand who's relevant in culture that has audiences that are aligned with you and your values? And then how do they build relationships and like really, really build relationships with people, which is what Poppy's done a great job of. Yeah. How do we actually build relationships, invite them to things, care about them, comment on their content? Um, and that's the way that I think talent partnerships work the best. Any questions on that?
2: I think, uh, I'm curious like how much support you give after the placement. Do you kind of give like a SOP so like best so practices? Placement
1: is internal. Okay. Talent partnerships, we're not necessarily like placing anybody. We're making introductions of like, these are people you can work with. But because it's, it can be like a one-off, like they could just do a one-off deal. It's less of like, this needs to be like a real internal member of yeah. the team. Mm-hmm. Um, the second half of it is like, if when we're looking for somebody that's actually part of the team, we have to understand the culture of the team. We have to understand what do you really look what do you actually look at for success? Some companies are like I want this person to be just making videos. I don't care if they mesh with our team. I don't even care if they're in the office. Just make us a couple of videos with our product and that'll be good enough for us. Mm. Other people are like, which I think is a better model, we want this person to be integrated with our team. Yeah. Yeah. Understand understand our mission, understand our brand, understand the content we want to make, learn with us as we go and tell all of those stories. That person is a lot harder to is a lot more of like we need to spend time like understanding this because that's not only like a talent fit, that's a culture fit as well. That role I think is really crucial to brands, especially if you're a content, if you're a team that doesn't know how to make content and doesn't have a person already, but I think it's harder to find. And I think that there's a lot of creators like this is something we would run into. We would place a creator. They'd be right for talent. They'd be right for culture. But after like three or four months, they would be like, I know how to do this. I want to do this on my own and go and try and be an influencer and like run this myself. So I think it's really like you, it's understanding incentives. It's under, it's a lot more of a human element, which is um, why we have to spend a lot of time in the culture. Is there a testing
0: process to see if the, if a creator is the right fit versus not and dumping them right? Fully totally. kind of okay.
1: we let them make content samples. Like we make them do sample content. Uh, they get on meetings with the brand. There's a 90 day window. Of, if this creator doesn't stay, okay. they'll find you another one, like all yeah. of that. I think for me, it's just so early. It's still, it's a really early thing. Like yeah. most companies haven't been doing this. They've been outsourcing it to agencies. Yeah. So I think it's just a newer thing that we're still like in the, at the forefront of seeing, oh, actually like it looks like 20% of the creators actually do end up going and wanting to be influencers or a lot of these creators that were influencers can't make money. So it's actually a great place for us to go and find them. It's a lot of new stuff.
2: I'm, I'm honestly super curious, like how you've seen, because you, you blew up on TikTok, I think in a very early, stage of the platform early-ish maybe like 2021 right Mm -hmm. and like you've seen it evolve quite a bit and has your offer of placing people or like everything that you're kind of doing right now like i'd love to hear how you've evolved the business with the platform because you mentioned it's completely bro
1: completely i mean dude when we first started when we started doing this in 2021 it was like TikTok was the coolest place to be. It was like the most relevant. It was also where there was the most opportunity for brands and for creators. So it was just like everybody, it almost felt like everybody was hanging out in the same playground and just like seeing what everybody else is doing. Yeah. So to be a TikTok creator for a brand was something that everybody was interested in as a creator. They're like, I can make extra income. It's not necessarily a full-time thing where I'm like doing a nine to five. I'm really good at making videos. TikTok's easier. So I just think the the like not ease, but just like the the opportunity was so much more accessible. So we were placing like 20 creators a month and it was just like this and it was, they were fitting and the brands were stoked on them and the creators were stoked on them. The challenge I think is I don't control any algorithms. I don't know. I don't want to be every single day being the person that knows exactly how the algorithm works. I understand the framework. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you need to do to be able to do it sustainably. And I think the, the, Things that we've had to correct is expectations with companies mm. because I think that a lot of companies saw what success was happening with brands like Poppy, yeah, and they were like, "If this creator doesn't come in and get us a 50 million viewed video, <laughs> they're not doing it right." Their first shot, too. exactly yeah. on their and first so, video. I think, it, I think that that, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> for me, I think the expectations is really like the the thing that I've had to have conversations with brands on, yeah, and and then just like being willing to offer new people like give it like that 90 day thing if they don't work if you really aren't happy with this i'm trying to when i have meetings with companies up front be like what do you really deem this successfully with and how do i like actually be real with you on what that what's realistic with these guys Yeah, i was gonna say how do you
0: take it from like they're probably pipe dream to let's be real here like what is that what is that success metric
1: conversation. For me, it's like, for me, it's like the way that I look at it now, I actually think it's really hard for a creator to come in and completely change the landscape of a business. Yeah. No doubt. I don't think it's easy to do that anymore. Yeah. No. So for me, the way I look at it now is I'm like, I still do think that for companies that don't know how to make content, and are just going to agencies, but the agency doesn't know the brand. So they can't really tell the brand story, or they're not around the team, they don't understand the culture. I still do think it's a really viable and smart option yeah. to have a person come in that becomes part of the culture can film mm-hmm. events, can film behind the scenes, can do product stuff. So I still think it's impactful. It's just like, it's just like, honestly, when I'm with companies, I'm like, honestly, unfortunately, it's just not going to be the person that's going to make or break it for your brand. So you can't put that pressure on them. Still beneficial, just less of like a home run.
0: Would you rather ha- build a creative team around the founder or creator? Like is founder. there
1: founder?
2: Yeah, agree. Yeah. Creator,
1: great. I think is, it depends. I think founder, if it's somebody that you can just, If it's somebody that has an interest in it, that has a unique story that you can film easily with, then I think it's great. If it's like pulling teeth with them, then I think it's harder. But I also think creator, building a business around a creator is really hard, especially if the creator has to create. Because dude, think about like all of these creator businesses that are completely stopping, just like done, no interest in doing this anymore because the creator is the marketer and the operator. Or even if they're just the marketer, All of it relying on a on a single creator is just a for me. I look at it. I'm like, that's a hard business model. It's a great business model to spark it. I think it's a great business model to spark it. But if that's like the long lasting marketing behind it, then I think it's a real challenge
0: for a founder. So to give context, I have a media company called Marketing Examine. And the thing that we're doing now is like we're going all in on just organic content, shut off paid. I just feel like or my belief is it's more impactful to get organic subscribers for our newsletter versus paid. Right. What team should I build around me to amplify essentially my organic content? Because I'm doing scripting, recording, editing, cranking that shit out on the daily. And obviously, we have a team for the pod and the YouTube and like, essentially the bigger pillars. But on the short form side, what who do you think I should build or bring in around me?
1: What do you feel like the challenges are right now?
0: I script, I edit, research, like that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Those, that, do you feel things? like that
1: is... So for me, I look at that as like... There's no way a human being. I would put myself up there with people that create content and enjoy it and like really get passionate. I literally can't come up with new ideas every single day. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's, not, pos- it's not possible. Hard, dude. Yeah, so yeah. I do think that like doing things like a podcast or doing things like where you're just talking, you're documenting more than actually trying yeah. to create something is impactful. But I would say also that would be something that I would really be looking for. That's something that I feel like I will look for of like, I don't even know what the role is, like idea. Generator like or a some. research assistant.
0: kind exactly. if I had idea generation and scripting? I feel like that's where it'd be we've got lights the, out. Yeah.
2: That's the new JD, the new job oh, description. Uh, so <laughs> here's the something yeah. <laughs> short
1: form video editing agencies is like drop shipping right now.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I know that
1: because I've been I'm looking for different editors and I'm like, dude, I'm in Discords right now with like 8,000 kids that are cranking out edits like speed runs. Yeah. And they're like, I'm just like slanging edits for people. Yeah. So I know that there's I get an email pretty much every other day. Are you looking for a short form video editing agency? So I'm like, okay, this is something that's happening. There's tons of people that will do it. Editing styles will always change. Like these like faster paced edits were not a thing Mm -mm. two years ago. Yeah, They were not a thing before on TikTok. Now that's a thing.
2: Or the AI voiceover, right? I mean, how, exactly. long, is that, how long is that voice gonna last? And so oh, it just yeah,
1: always yeah. changes. So for me, I'm like, I, w- I have no interest in like trying to find somebody that just does this specific style for today. It's more like, how do I find somebody that I actually wanna work with that somebody can understand that can and can, yeah, can, can keep adapting? So I would find somebody like that to do video. Copywriting is something that I think is going to be really a need for creators and companies. Because I think you can take the copy, same with scripting like you are just saying, you can take the copy and hand that off to a video editor, hand that off to a producer, hand that off to somebody that can come up with a shot list, hand that off to you and you get visuals as to how the video works. Yeah. But I think the actual scripting is harder to find somebody that can get that than it is to find somebody that can do the video edits right now. Yeah. Like I would be putting more time into how do I find a copywriter that can really dial in on this and even maybe give examples of visuals to go over top of the copy yeah. And then hand that off to an editor and a producer that's like, yo, we got to go shoot this. And then I'm going to hand it to the editor and he's going to find visuals for that.
0: I do think copywriters are going to be the next thing because their copywriters were the thing 20, 30 years ago, right? With uh, direct direct mail, email, et cetera. Yeah. And now with AI, we think it's, okay, now I could become a a creator because I could crank out 30 videos, AI writes my scripts, but there's no personality reads like Mm -hmm. a robot. And now if you have a good copywriter, right you could stand out like this. Like yeah, that's yeah. how you can create distinction is if your scripts have a little bit of personality, a little bit of story, a little bit of you in it. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Yeah. A little bit I of think. sauce. I think the, um, whenever you go to like these, whenever you go to like an agency that knows how to do the content and has like a formula and the formulas based off of virality, the way that I look at that is like, I actually feel like a lot of people that I follow on all these platforms. The reason why I follow them is they're diff they go against the grain. Yeah. They're different. They stand out when a lot of things are going viral, they stand out. Yeah. And so I actually feel like you were just saying with copywriter, not somebody that understands how to go viral on LinkedIn. Yeah. Somebody that understands your voice yeah. and how to help you put your voice. Yeah. That's the way that I would look at it. Those people to me are really valuable because you're right. People can go into AI write me a LinkedIn thing, have it have a hook, have it have a call to action, have you know that kind of thing somebody that is like, I understand how you speak with your tone and I'll form it in that way. That to me is really intriguing. It's it's, it's
2: part of a bigger trend of like the cost of information is going to zero. You know, like everything is on the internet. You can learn anything on YouTube. You can learn anything on Wikipedia. Like there's so many free resources out there, but that's the science to what you just said. There's the hook, there's the CTA, the body, like how you kind of like structure the script. The actual art, which is the thing that'll make you differentiate, is is that hook compelling or is the body of the story good enough for someone to pay attention for a long time? I think those are the things that really do differentiate strong creators and those who aren't. Someone who crushes this oh. really in your wheelhouse is Hans from your class. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hans, Hans LeRae. Boy. So this guy took Alex's cut 30 class yeah. and dude, he does like interior design Instagram reels. Hmm. And it's like, I'm scrolling Instagram reels and I see four straight videos about viral content frameworks. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, fuck (laughs) this. I don't care anymore, dude. Like I I could write this in my sleep. Like if I didn't memorize it before, it's ingrained, it's burned in my skull. Mm -hmm. But now I I swipe up again and it's like Hans. And he's like, how do you feel about this? Like L-shaped couch in this mid-century modern home? And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Like give me, you know, give me a little that's more of that. Put a mirror you know? here? Yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. And I'm like starting to like get my gears turning about, like it breaks the pattern, right? It's like, you're so used to seeing all of these just kind of, to your point, the dropshipping angle of like, everyone's got a short form editor. Yeah, you can get one in the Philippines for a thousand dollars. Yes. Like we all have them, yeah. you know what I mean? For yeah. all, sure, For all employed, shout out, yeah. Shout out you, Renji, Yeah. my dog. But um, <laughs> no, like it, it just, that's so commoditized. What will yeah. we'll always persist, is authenticity and the ability That's to kind of you yeah. know form your own personal brand like what are you known for That's
1: it. And that and that even in itself dude everything that becomes everything that becomes trendy the it's almost like the 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 soul of it gets a little bit confused. And authenticity I'm just going to go back to when TikTok was be, was first around when TikTok first came out and authenticity was the thing. It was like actually being authentic and yeah. like almost like caring less And just being like, I'm okay with, I love my, I'm happy with myself, so I'm gonna put this out into the world. But then authenticity gets to be like, authenticity gets to be trendy and it becomes like, let's just be overly vulnerable in the (laughs) sake of authenticity. And so the word of authenticity gets changed a little bit. (laughs) What I think actually is really the most important thing is authenticity in the original format of it, of just being, who are you actually? Yeah. What are you? What is the style that is actually you? Yeah. If you didn't look at anything on a short form feed, on a LinkedIn feed, and it was just you writing or just you creating, what would you create? Not for the audience, not for the algorithm. Like, what is actually you? And I think that that is what will stand the test of time.
0: Like almost the, like your journal versus the script you're writing for everybody else. For like sure, to, because yeah.
1: all of these formats are going to change. Like the hook, call to action, did it because yeah. everybody's going to do it, and then. Everybody's going to be like, "Oh shit! All of them are doing it. So what's the next thing?" And the only thing that'll last is actually like, "What is yeah.
2: you?" Yeah, the true enemy here is the course bros because they're they're the ones that are training <laughs> yeah. everyone on the, sure. on the actual framework. For sure, uh, it's it always goes the back thing, to you info know the know
0: product guys. The th- yeah, it does. The thing I think is coming back is cinematic or like being actually nice shot content yeah. and yeah. things that are are beautiful, also storytelling driven versus just straight tactical. Definitely. And I'm and I'm. I do it too, right? Like I do the tactical stuff as well, because it funnels good to to the newsletter. But I do think you're um, the things that are catching my eye on social right now are more th- are, are is content that is just
1: beautiful. Okay, and I got a story good take on this. Sound. Yeah, I do feel like cinematic is a thing right now. Yeah, I feel like people that aren't natural with cinematic might jump into cinematic because it's the thing right now. But I think that those will be the same people that when it goes away from cinematic, will we'll jump, jump onto right the back. next thing there. So I go, if it's not actually your natural thing to be cinematic and you feel like you have to go out of your way every time that you're going and doing something like that, you're going to burn out mm. because the next thing's going to come and you're going to be like, I got to jump on that thing. And then it's going to be hard for you. And so I agree with you. I think that that's a, yeah. if you're like, how do I get into culture? I actually do think cinematic things catching my attention as well. But I am weary of telling people go do cinematic right now because I also try to look at like, what's the five year picture of this? And if I'm telling everybody to go, it's the same, it's a, it's the same thing as like a trend. It's like, if I'm telling people to go do that, will I tell them to go do the next thing and the next thing and Mm. the next thing and the next thing, rather than like, how do you make your thing be the thing that cracks through? Yeah.
0: Like if cinematic's not going to be a part of your strategy and it was never even a thought, don't do it. Just do it. Was already part of your strategy. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Or if it's
1: not too big of a take on, if it's like, it's easy for me to do, I've got access to this. It's just, I think that like really what everybody's playing in the game of content, they're playing a game of wellness, but they don't think about it. Meaning content is not easy. You're putting yourself out there. You're having to come up with ideas. You're having to network. You're having to do relationships. Like it's a very like wellness oriented thing. Yeah. If you don't treat it like that and you just jump on things and you actually, what ends up happening is you end up losing yourself in two years. You're done. You're not going to be around anymore. And I think we're going to see a lot of creators that end up not end up being like, I'm over this. Because they forget about what they actually care about and burn out.
2: I think we have a lot of folks in our audience who are entrepreneurial, like trying to start their own thing and understand the value of content, but probably struggle with it not feeling natural to them. So like something I would love to ask you is like, what is your advice to someone who's trying to make content, but it doesn't feel natural? It's not something that they have this burning desire to do. For me, it's always like
1: focus on like, what is your why? Like, why do you actually want to do this? Because yeah. um, if you don't actually have the burning desire to do it, I'd be like, well, why do you then? Yeah. Like actually,
2: because if it's a money thing, it, dude, shit is hard. So, Business you know, is hard. Content I would, is hard. I, would, I The only pushback I would say there is I think there's a lot of people who maybe watch MFM, My First Million, and they mm-hmm. watch a lot of these different like business creators, maybe the morning brew guys, maybe like all these guys who kind of built maybe a 200 to 500,000 person audience on Twitter and have now been able to really effectively monetize it. Mm -hmm. And so there is this new understanding of the business case for creating content. It's kind of the best means of distribution of your ideas. My
1: thing is just, is that a big enough why to get you through the times that Mm -hmm. are really hard about it? Because if that is, some people are actually genuinely driven by money. That's not right. a bad thing, right? That's okay if that's what your, your thing is. I love that. Yeah, it's you have to ask yourself when there's moments where there's no traction, when there's moments when I am creatively in a rut, when there's moments where people give pushback on things that I post. It is that why strong enough for me to be like I don't care about that because I know that I, I know where I'm going. Yeah, if that's the case, for sure, do it.
0: I think it's, I think it's almost like that thought of. Do you want to be a YouTuber or to do you want to make YouTube videos? And there's a big difference between that question. Do you want to be just a guy that's increasing a subscriber count or just loves filming videos and loves editing? Yeah. Right? And there's such a difference mm. there in that creator. Yeah. And and their longevity of being able to do it for 100%. 5 years versus 5 weeks. Yeah, cuz I think the best will do both. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The best I think will be able to be like I do this because I love it. And I've found a way to turn it into a business. And I also love that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's something we've all probably experienced with that coming back to being athletes is like the best people, the ones who mm-hmm. actually make it are like, yeah, they have that insane work ethic, but they also were naturally insanely talented yeah. and athletic. For and sure. Kind of the same thing. If you want to create videos, that is a huge leg up because then you just have to apply the work ethic. For
1: sure. Uh, dude, I actually, I don't think I talk enough about creating content is also takes talent. Yeah. yeah. For sure. like I, I, and I, and I, I really feel like I didn't emphasize that on, on emphasize on that a lot in the beginning of TikTok, because I really think that it was so good that people were just putting themselves out there and finding success with it. But I think anything that is easy like that, the barrier to entry, zero, have yeah. a phone. Yeah. Anything that is like that, everybody goes and does. Yeah. So now that everybody's gone and done it, it actually does require a little bit of talent. Yeah. That I think that people overstate a little bit. They're like, I got the framework and I got, and I got good editors, so this is going to work for me. Yeah. And I think that the, like, the way that I look at the talent is like, do you have things that people want to hear about? Do you have things that people want to listen to? And can you be real and authentic with it?
2: Yeah, I think you see that a lot with, uh, you're familiar, obviously, with UGC creators quite a bit, like they user generated content, like the fake TikToks. Um, but you know, if you're a bad TikToker, you make UGC. And so like, I think, you know, with, with those folks, like there is a high end and a low end because they understand certain shot types. They understand certain kind of call outs and things that make the video feel more authentic and normal versus like really salesy and sponsored. And you see that when you give different people briefs. You mm-hmm. give the same brief to several different creators, you're going to get different yeah. results from those videos. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're talking about. It's the talent component. TikTok kind of lowered the barrier of entry, I would say. Maybe that's what made it explosively grow so much. Is for sure. Because of trends, lip-syncing videos, dancing videos, like all the sort of kind of content mediums that were really easy to just copy paste your own self into. You know, those allowed for a lot of people to go viral and get a fake sort of feedback loop that they might've been good at this. And I think you see a lot of early TikTok creators who capitalize on that really struggling now when the algorithm is not favoring them the same way. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, you summed it up perfectly. Yeah. It's, and I do, and I, we're going to go through this for, because this isn't going away. This is going to be a thing. We're going to go through this where there's going to be new waves and then people will leave. There'll be new waves. I really think the way to just like last through all of it is to find like, what do I actually care about? What do I enjoy doing? How do I, how do I like block out the noise? Of like, what's the thing of the day and what do I need to jump onto in this moment? And just be like, dude, I know what I like and I'm gonna stick to that.
0: Yeah. How do you help people find that? Like what the their pillars and the things that they could talk about repeatedly and over and over again and essentially spin up and create a thousand ideas from from it. Yeah.
1: Conversations, relationships. Like I think it's it's a it's hard to scale. It's the human shit. Yeah. It's like sitting with people. If I, if it is a creator, that's like trying to understand how, what they could be creating. I literally, I'm like, what do you do in your day? What's fun for you? Yeah. The easiest way for me to make content is to just be it for it to not be deviating out of what my current day is. So it's like, what do I, what am I already doing? What are the things I love? What are the things that if there was no cameras around, no mics around, I'd be yeah. talking about. That's where I would start.
2: We, uh, with a lot of the brands that I work with, I, I, I call it modular creative. And so basically it's this concept that you can have one storyline with a bunch of different components. So say, you know, one of my clients is a water bottle with a a portable charger at the bottom of it. It's like very TikTok-y product. They're Mm -hmm. sold nationally in AT&T stores, but they've never done D2C stuff. They don't have a consumer marketing division that can do this stuff. And so, you know, we talk about like, okay, what's a problem that your end user is like commonly facing? So someone who might want to use a water bottle with a charger is often going to go to the gym and they might've forgotten to charge their AirPods before. And so what's that pain point is, I now don't have my AirPods like charged and I'm gonna get a shitty workout in because I don't have music. And like that same problem of my AirPods are dead. And now that I can carry my charger with the water bottle can be applied to the gym, but it can also be applied to a walk. It can be applied to a yoga class. It can be applied to the airport. And so, like with that one sort of storyline and pain point, you can apply it and like kind of multiply the amount of creative you can pull from that one idea.
1: I agree completely. Yeah. And I think that that's a thing that makes it easier on everybody. I would pick, I would pick five storylines that I would consider series and I would do 10 iterations on each of them. Yeah. Even, even if one's a video, then the next one's a carousel, the next one's a photo, the next one's an Instagram story. Right. Like take one piece. That is a pillar of you of your business and turn that into as many things as possible because you also don't know which one is gonna hit.
2: Right. Yeah. There's it this gives it more uh, chances. There's this mushroom coffee brand Rise Superfoods. Have you seen them before? Absolutely love what they've done.
1: Yeah. They're they That's are, a mushroom coffee brand. I thought it's a protein. No, mushroom, uh, no coffee. mushroom coffee. Oh, yeah. wait. No, this is a different one then. I'm thinking of Rise Protein. R-Y-S-E. Uh
2: no, this is Rise is really big on TikTok. Yeah. i S E I'm talking right? about R Y Z E. Yeah man, we got to come up with some new fucking brands, guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And both those companies are pumping like nine figures too. Yeah. Uh, But uh, no, so like Rise is a mushroom coffee. And so like, tell me how the hell they got to this is like the problem that they're solving. But I have now seen seven different uh, like demographics of creator talking about the same problem, which is that Rise somehow fixes your gut health so yeah. that you don't have bad breath because it's a mushroom coffee. So the way that the mushrooms interact with your gut microbiome leads mm. to you not having bad breath. I've seen this with a old white guy. I've seen it with a young Mexican dude, like all sorts of like different and these are people posting of,
1: organically about it or these are paid, these are, these this are are paid their, ads. This is their these paid, paid ads. ads.
2: It's definitely like a dynamic ad set in okay. Facebook yeah. where they're like have all of these different, it's the same script. It's like, I always thought my bad breath was, you know, uh, related to me, but I actually found out it was just the coffee I was drinking. Then I found Rise and now it's kind of fixed that. And they're testing so many demographics of persona to see like which one of these resonates most with who it's getting shown to. Mm. And I think it's really fascinating how they do that because like they've done that with several different of these storylines or series like we're talking about. They have like, I always found this white film on my tongue and I didn't realize it was related to the coffee I was drinking like connecting these different relatable problems to this daily routine that a lot of people have and then positioning their product as something that could solve it
1: i think that that's i'm glad that they're doing that because that's the only way that you learn yeah you crazy. can have the perfect plan bro you can yeah. literally have the perfect this is going to be tweaked and this light-handed. Yeah. you just don't know until you post something you have no idea
2: yeah. and and they're they're just firing from the hip dude they don't give a uh I was about, yeah, yeah, you can say fuck on this podcast, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like was, they don't what's care What's changed from far. last week to this week? Dude, I don't know. So <laughs> you never know who's listening. bro. Zara's in the other room. That's fair. Uh, no, it's it's like, it's interesting how the really big brands get that. There's There's gotta be an opportunity to like help smaller brands execute what the big brands can do. Like that, the whole kind of democratization mm-hmm. angle, like, that word's kind of bad mm-hmm. now because of crypto. <laughs> but like, You know, democratizing the ability to use high-level creative testing could be, like, an interesting way to help a brand doing, like, three mil. Because, like...
1: Why can't they do that now?
2: Because I don't think they have the resources to invest in it. I think it does cost money. Got it. Honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, as someone who runs a business that produces a lot of content, like, it's hard to get that stuff. Like, to get a serious amount of creative assets to somebody, like, 30 plus, like... It's hard to do that yeah, for, for under sure. like 5k of the agency's cost. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think you ha- as a brand to afford someone for 10 to 15k a month, like you're probably doing, you for know, sure. at least like 5 million in revenue mm-hmm. with like solid gross margins that eliminates like a huge amount of small D2C entrepreneurs. But think yeah. that
0: goes back to what you were saying where you just got to figure out how you can angle a story multiple times and like right. find the different tweaks. I think the the best way and the best thing that kind of changed the or shifted the thought about that in my head was Virgil Abloh's 3% rule. Yeah.
1: The yeah. He was saying that today.
0: Yeah, where novelty is found at 3%, like changing something by 3%, so if it's this, I could just change the cap and this coloring and now we have an entirely new product. And you could do that with content where it could either be the hook, it could go from being very value-based and tactical to now being story-based. The just like you could find all the small tweaks in something where one piece of content can be twenty pieces of content that feel like twenty different stories that reach twenty times or like twenty different audiences. It doesn't have to yeah. be spoken to the same person, but it's all about how you just change it a little bit, yeah. right? Like that's all you need is like a little tweak to make something completely novel.
1: Yeah, I think the companies that are willing to set aside ego of this needs to perform right away. Yeah, and just try it, exactly like that. We're gonna have to come up with these different series, three percent different on every video. Dude, you can, eventually you find something that works. Yes. Yeah. Eventually you find something that works. Yeah. Like it's a hundred percent success rate of every company that stuck with it and was actually trying different things worked for them. And I think that people get stuck in that hump. Dude, it's literally the same thing as January 1st. Everybody goes to the gym. Mm -hmm. Like now we're in February. A lot of people have stopped because it's not as easy as they thought it was going to be. The people that stick with it are going to get into shape. yeah Yeah. it's the same thing um
2: what uh okay so you were early on tiktok and i think you got to see like an explosion of attention on that platform there's a lot of different things that have been coming out recently obviously flip was kind of like this shopping Mm -hmm. tiktok scrollable feed um are there any sort of platforms that are emerging that you think are exciting or kind of those frontier marketing opportunities that are out there that you've been seeing
1: no I say no because I. This is the first time that I feel like I actually have not had anything that I'm super excited about in the past yeah. couple of years. I just feel like there's been so much new. Yeah. That mm-hmm. it almost feels like I'm like, I don't even want. I don't even want to see anything. Old that's is new, new. now. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. I, I would say no. There's nothing that's really caught my eye. I I like Flip. I think Flip is cool. There's nothing that's really like caught my eye that I'm like, this is going to be huge. Apple Vision Pro, awesome. That yeah. that, but that's to me, that's a couple that's not now,
0: yeah. it's not yeah. Now. to me.
1: The experience of checking it out is now. Nobody that I know is going to go and actually like set up businesses specifically around Apple Vision Pro today, yeah. I do think that's an, an awesome product. I haven't tr- actually tried it I yet, mean. but I do think that it's a, it seems like it's a very cool product, and I know Dude, that it is the future,
2: yeah. I've seen such a fascinating so, so my buddy Cam, uh, shout out Cam Brow, but he, he runs this company called Life Cash, and in 2015 cam couldn't get anyone to take it seriously because it was an ar experience driven app and so like ar was just not you know spatial computing all these technologies they just weren't even remotely close to where they are now in 2015 and so the in practice use of it was just hard to even fathom right like oh i what i put on a pair of glasses and can see a story about this like monument over here it like pops up because i touch it like no it wasn't something that people thought about and then now you see, you know, there's a device called Magic Leap, which is, mm-hmm. I think Qualcomm makes that. Like there's the, uh, Gus is apparently not a fan, uh, but there's uh, there's like the Ray-Bans glasses by Meta. Like obviously the Vision Pro is doing a lot to push this forward too. Um, and it's just fascinating how Cam's idea of life cash is now really taken off. It's, mm-hmm. it's crushing yeah. because demand and technology is meeting it where they're meeting together finally because it just wasn't even vibe.
0: But that's the same thing happened with TikTok, right? Like at the pandemic, when it was, what was it, musically? Yeah. Back in the day. And then yeah. during the pandemic, then the demand met this this essentially the app. For yeah. sure. And that was then the rise I mean, if of TikTok, you, I, right? I feel like like if you're if you're
1: thing. like really an innovator, yes, I do think that spending time and doing something with Apple Vision Pro right now, with like a three year plan of in three years, people yeah. are gonna be more adopted to this, and then I'm gonna have that. To me, I'm not I'm not the first person to do things. Yeah. Um Patagonia founder Yvonne Schneider says, "I'm not a inventor, I'm an innovator. Mm. I feel like that. I feel like I'm not the person that's going to go invent anything, but I do feel like I see when something is on the press on the like the verge of yeah. becoming a real thing and that's when I move." Yeah. To me Apple Vision Pro is not there yet. Um so when I feel like that, that's when I probably will make a move.
0: Switching scripts. I, one thing I thought that you said that was interesting was this idea of creating series. It was essentially like bringing a TV show, but to someone's social feed. That was something we did a lot at The Collective. We always honed in on it, it needs to be repeatable and scalable, right? Like that was our thing. So we, we tweaked and going back to the 3% rule, we did something that was like, um, it was essentially like a, a truth or not kind of show, right? Where it was mostly around fitness and whatnot. And then it elevated and it switched to like we got, we had, it gained some traction and then we wanted to find the alternate version of it. So we spun up cold, hard truth. I don't know if you've seen that, but it was like, we would take a Cody Sanchez, we'd take a Jamar Chase, put them in the cold plunge and ask them questions. Cool. And it was like five minutes. And that was one of our best content series, but it was so easy to film. And it was such a pillar piece of our content. And again, it was because we thought about it, in the, it from the lens of repeatable and scalable and something that if we left tomorrow, they can continue doing why do you think series works? Or, or like what is your thought behind a series if a brand wants to get started? like Why should they, they think about creating a series or implementing in the, that into their strategy?
1: Making a series is important because people want something to follow along with. Mm. Trends are one and done. You see it, you understand it, move on to the next. Series, when you see it and it says part one, or you know that it could be sequential, like there's a title of this is the series of, what was the one you just called it. Uh, yeah. Cold, hard truth. You're like, Oh, this isn't just a single video. There's probably more of this. Now I'm going to go to the page and I'm going to look for those other ones because I liked this one. And if they like another one of them, then they're like, I'm hooked. Now I want to follow this. So I just feel like it's, it's getting people to, it's getting people on board with the mission. It's getting people on board with something that they actually can feel like they're a part of. It's kind of hard to feel a part of a one-off video. Yeah. So that's why I think, um, the Founder's Story is a good series. I think coming up with those, I loved what you just said of it being, that was the easiest thing for you guys to shoot. You could shoot it in five minutes. Yeah. To me, I'm like, that's, that is my idea of a genius series. Yeah. Because it's easy on everybody. It's impactful where people will actually watch it. Yeah. And like, you want to keep doing it again. Yeah. I think the things that are, I look at it from, I really look at it from like a, almost like a physical lens of like, how much of a toll is this going to take on me to do this? Me, my team, the people that are involved. I think the ones that are like really h- big undertakings are ones that should be done more sporadically mm. or batched yeah. and then big breaks. Whereas little ones like that, that's one you can do every day. Yeah. If that still has the same impact, I'm like, yo, that one's the smart one.
2: Mm.
1: But it's, like it that. gives yeah. people something to follow along. That's that one's fair.
2: good too, because I think something that's a tenant of a successful content series is familiarity and cultural context yeah. like when i'm seeing that ice bath series and for me you know i'm a fan of collective maybe i have seen kevin hart's cold as balls which was right it was kind of like an inspiration for it and like that's a series where kevin hart will interview like blake griffin and ask him yeah, funny yeah, questions know, yeah, yeah. and uh you know y'all did something very similar where it's like jamar chase like who would you rather throw to you like you know or, or who's better you or justin jefferson and he's literally like freezing like <laughs> unable to answer the question um, and, you know, incorporating some sort of like familiarity yeah. is a really good way to stop someone's scroll, I think, because there's gotta be something in the brain that just causes them to like want to see it, to like, oh, it's, you know, that's that slot machine feel. Like I'm spinning the slot machine and will I get a different result? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there is familiarity, you're almost curious, like, okay, so what's, what's in it for me this time? Yeah. Like, I liked this before. Okay, maybe they have another good thing for me. Yep.
0: And that was our thought too, is like we we were looking at what's what's working on YouTube that has a good retention and watch time that then we can mimic and recreate for short form. Because yep. if it's working and it's a 12 minute episode, we can do it on short form and make it 30 seconds and it's definitely gonna hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That think, was my entire thought process. Super smart. Yeah. Something
2: something that feels like an opportunity that uh, you know, people could look at for uh next next wave of like content ideas is, you know, obviously like Nike or not Nike, Abercrombie's done really well by almost retroing themselves. Like they made, you know, the nineties aesthetic come back Mm -hmm. through their clothes. And there's gotta be so many familiar content things that we all saw as kids that now as our generations like maturing into consumers, if you could put that 3% rule on some of that content from the nineties, like there's freaking magic school bus comes to mind, you know, like just like, Nostalgia is a big play right now. Right. Yeah. Nostalgia
1: is a big play. Even I noticed myself being intrigued with nostalgia. Yeah. I think it's a big play. I, I think Poppy has done a good job of that, of like brighter colors. And like they even do some different older style, vintage looking kind of shoots. I think nostalgia is a big play. I think yeah. that's a huge play.
2: Yeah.
0: How you Have you integrated it into your content at all?
1: Not really. Like, I mean, I'll mess around with things of like filming on different cameras or like shooting photos with different cameras, but... Yeah doing like a handheld or something like a handheld cam or something uh photo though mm. so not film. not vhs yeah on film film, yeah nice mm-hmm. but dude honestly again for me it's like i i do these little i do these little tests to see how things feel because i'm i'm like a, a tinkerer like i like yeah, trying yeah. things just to see yeah. like is this something i would like to do is this something i use pretty much every time it comes back to like what is something that i'll do every day that's easy and like for me it's usually iphone or it's now I'm like getting a little bit more comfortable with just clicking record on a camera, but it's I, anything that goes too far left field for me, I end up doing it a couple of times, and then I'm like, not going to keep
2: doing that. Something I'm curious to get your opinion about is like the future of brand deals. So I think brand deals are, you know, maybe misaligned economics. At least they were in the past. Like all the time, a creator will charge you know fifty thousand dollars upfront fee for something where the brand is. Really going to struggle to make forty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars on that post. Um, and I'm curious if you think that's going to continue to like become more performance based, or do you think it'll kind of stay the way it is? I don't know if it'll
1: become more performance based because some of the people that you're working with as talent, it's the goal is not conversions. The goal is to be as- associated with that human being. Yeah. And so I do think that there's a, a a component of it where it's like we don't. Yes, we want this to convert. We think it will convert. But even just us being in in their um, world of them holding the product is like a net win for us. Yeah. So I would say for partnerships, I'd say, how do you find those people that you are so aligned with them and their audience that you know it's a win even if it doesn't perform immediately? Mm. It also could be, some people see the product and it takes five or six different more touch points for them to get there. That started it, but that wasn't what converted them. The second thing that I think is super underrated is micro influencers that have engaged audiences, but doing that at, at I hate using the word scale, that, but doing that, you you can, doing that as much as you can, doing that as much yeah. as you can, because that's another thing that, and I reference probably because it's the band, brand that I know the most that I have seen their playbook. They did, my sister had to send out like, Fifty different cases a week to people. Oh yeah, just yeah. getting product out the there, seeding, seeding product, and uh, trusting in the product. You have to actually trust in your product then, because you're like, yeah. they might not, they might not buy this, yeah, yeah. or they might not post this, yeah. Right. But it's them having it, caring about it, and advocating for it. So I would say the smaller micro is like a really sm- great play. I think micro influencers, I think typically are really looked at in their friend group as like somebody that's tapped in, yeah. yeah. Whereas I even think that some macro influencers in their friend group, it's almost like, it's almost like you're so big that you're moved yeah. and like you're, you're like
2: untouchable. G- yeah. You're clearly getting paid for this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I think
1: the micro is like a really smart play that people don't take advantage of enough.
0: And I think micro is changing too, where now it was, you know, I'm, I'm finding the, the mom who's a foodie. And now it's like, I'm finding the mom who's a foodie with two kids and lives in Arizona. Like it's mm. going from somebody that's, has five thousand followers, so now two thousand followers, and like ha- just reaches a certain demographic. That's I, That's something that's I've been cool. studying a lot lately. That I think is shifting. Yeah.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Yo, I, here's another thing. I'm almost like, why don't you go through people that have purchased your product and like hit them up that are actual just customers, aren't even influencers, 100%. and be like, yo, if we send you ten cases, will you just give them to your friends? Yeah. We know that you mm. bought this. Just give it out to people. Yeah. It's like rather than you being the person that has to go and do the samplings and get it out into the world. Your customers already care about it. You know that they care about it. It's different than some influencers that you don't know if they care about it or not, but you hope that they do. This is a paying customer. Send them 10 cases and be like, yo, do you think that if we gave you these 10, you would hand them out to your community? Yeah. I feel like that's an underrated play. Yeah, it's just,
0: I mean, it's, it's too simple for marketers, right? We gotta define yeah, yeah, yeah. the crazy <laughs> yeah, strategy. It's like, too sure. Wait, if what do you mean, viral, talk to customers it. and <laughs> they'll just <laughs> yeah. talk to their friends? Yeah, yeah, no fucking way. Yeah, totally. Dude, that's I'll, not Medicaid. Turns campaign. out a good product sells itself.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, like, loyalty is certainly like a frontier that I don't think has been figured out by a lot of brands, you know? like there's obviously the MLM world is the king of this, right? Where it's like, you give one, you know, suburban family, bunch of like Herbalife things and they'll give them like seven. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it spreads like a weed and everyone's just like hook. But uh, like more more brands could learn from that, right? It's like, okay, there should be an email flow where if someone has purchased twice, you're triggering an offer to them and saying, you know, give away a case and we got one on the house for you. Just show mm-hmm. us proof of you giving it to a friend. Yeah. You know, like that. Yeah. And like, that's, without a doubt a way to create a, a word of mouth flywheel that will do so much better than going to send it to like 25 different micro influencers who might yep. not post your shit yep, or the content holy. they post is just terrible so a, a role
1: that i think is super important at companies that is so underrated is this like glue of the community yeah. like can you have somebody that truly just cares about the community doesn't have any sort of KPIs is just mm-hmm. like go out there and make the people that care about us love us more care about them, get more people interested in it. And like, that will be a, if you look at it over a couple of years, that will be an enormous part of our business, but it's hard to track. Yes. And I think every company is like, how do we quantify this? Yeah. You can't quantify emotional buy-in, yeah. you know? And I think that that's a huge part that I think a lot of companies that do loyalty well, they have that, they have emotional buy-in from the people that they're selling to. Yeah. And that, for me, if I had a consumer brand, I would be like, yo, I wanna hire somebody that's a diehard of the brand loves the product and literally just be like yo go make friends take our product go hand it out to people on the street go to the people that have purchased our product send them don't even send them and don't even put them into an email funnel send them a dm and be like yo say it like that too yo saw you purchased our product i'm going to send you 10 cases where you just hit it hit other people up and pass it out like human interactions For i think sure. that that's the way to win
0: i always talk about like you got to have that person that's learning how or taking advantage of turning followers into friends. Literally what you're saying. Like there is that transition and you need to have someone that knows how to make that transition through in real life events, just surprise and delight, like whatever it is, they need to be dedicated to that.
2: Yeah. Agreed completely. Yeah. Completely agreed. It's, I I had a buddy who started this, uh, you know, software platform for creatives. Actually, you might find this interesting. It was like kind of like a digital portfolio to take credit for your work. So say you're like a sports creative and, you know, the University of Georgia, like walk out FP, FPV drone? Yeah, FPV yeah. Drone? Uh Sorry bro, I, I know you're <laughs> nice with the cameras, but I'm not. Um, but uh, say so you're the guy who like created that piece of content, University of Georgia posted on Twitter and they don't tag you. Okay, fuck me. Like no one has any attribution that that video My was minus the creative. My big moment. Yeah, and it's so possible. like that might get, you know, 20,000 likes and like a ton of engagement go viral. There was no way to claim that. And so he kind of created a way to claim your work as a creative Mm. Um, and in doing so, you know, obviously the community really rallied around him and they appreciated the tool. And at first he had this uh, person who was just the community manager and she would just all day on Twitter, just like make sure, hey, do you tag this on Gondola? Like tag it on Gondola. Like she was just so instrumental in getting them. And they went like zero to 10,000 users like Mm. that. You know, and it was super organic and grassroots. It was and like hand-hand combat. Right. And, and as soon as she ended yeah. up having yeah. to, she ended up having to take another role and she had to go uh, make a career pivot. And so he kind of looked at more of a um, performance marketing, like, a, like let's run ads, you know, with targeted messaging about this is the best portfolio for creatives, take credit for your work, all sorts of stuff. And it didn't really work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there is, an element sometimes of like a product has to be communicated in the right way, Mm -hmm. which can need to be coming from a friend and not necessarily seeing it in an ad and just press and go.
1: Exactly what you were just saying of hand-to-hand combat. I think that's the thing that most companies are missing. Yeah. yeah. Like the personality within the company, I understand it. I understand that when you're building, everything needs to be measurable and the things that aren't, aren't important. Yeah. But I also know as a consumer... I fuck with brands because I had a DM with that customer service person or the person that ran their social and they seemed awesome. Yeah. And now I care about that brand more. Yeah, The human quality, the, the human like actual relationship that you build with the brand yeah. is something that I think, it, it's again, you can't scale it. It's not like you can be like, let's outsource this to the Philippines. It yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. needs to be somebody that actually <laughs> cares and actually is like bought in.
2: Yeah. But I really think that that's how you break through. I really do. Agreed. It's kind of the challenge with a lot of these brands is they don't, like that's resources, you know, they're deciding where to allocate resources. And if you're thinking about, you know, a social media manager, uh, is that a creator? Is that a copywriter and a content scheduler and an editor? Like Mm -hmm. it's a lot of different roles in one and you're trying to pay this person like 70K a year. For sure. You know, and same with community manager. I don't think that's typically someone that gets paid a lot. And so it's hard to attract the right type of talent, keep the right type of talent, if you're gonna have that kind of orientation towards it. So Mm -hmm. it might be something that people need to allocate more dollars to as well.
1: Well, I think the whole business model is broken of like, let's build this super fast and as lean as possible and not prioritize people. And I think that there's a correction going on right now. And I think that the next model will be like, if we can't employ somebody that can go into the community and do these human things, like our business is not working yeah. that has to be a core part of the business. Yeah. And if we need to build slower and we can't, we can't meet the expectations of an investor, then we need to change this yeah. and we need to actually build slower because yeah. I feel like that's a core part of it. And I feel like the sustainability of content is a
2: core part of it too. Yeah. Less dollars to Meta, more dollars to the community. Good. Wrapping up, what are, what are some of the
0: brands you're paying attention to? <laughs> that's great. What are some of the brands that yeah, you're paying attention to and kind of what are they doing tactically that's worth paying attention to as well?
1: Any brands that I feel, I feel like honestly, more creators, I feel like, okay, who are
0: some of the creators then?
1: You guys, I think, Orin, I think I like, um, I like Kane a lot. Yeah. I think I like Roberto a lot. I think I, there's some smaller ones, death to stock. Um, they do a lot of different like trends around or not even trends. They do a lot of like things that they're seeing within the world and talking about it. So. I look i would say i'm looking more at creators there, there, yeah I, and i say this kindly there really has not been a brand in the last year or so that's been super intriguing to me mm. yeah and i spent a lot of time in the brand world it just has it feels like oversaturated it feels like yeah. i need a moment of like not paying attention to all the new and then going back into it and being like okay cool what do i actually care about to me right now the brands that i think are intriguing if there were any is actually brands that i think are doing a good job In terms of people like the product and they're in bigger stores but haven't told their story yet and so i'm intrigued on like can we try and help them tell their story like a brand like unreal uh have you seen the chocolate uh unreal chocolates like reese's peanut butter cups they do like almond joy it's like better for you chocolate yeah like to me i'm like they're a brand that i like i've been consuming them for a while I just don't know anything about the brand, but I know that they're doing well. and I know that people use them and are fans of the brand. Yeah. To me, I look at, I'm looking at brands like that and being like, how do we get them to be mm. more understood of mm-hmm. like their story and what their actual legacy is of their mission um, rather than like, what's the new product of the day?
2: Yeah, I think there's, uh, there, there's a few companies, you know, the companies that are innovating in this right now, like you mentioned Rise, the protein powder earlier, R-Y-S-E, R- yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, they crushed on TikTok shop. And like, that's where you're seeing a lot of brands that understand content in a super authentic way, doing really well. There's this I guy, uh, gosh, dude, I wish I could remember his name, Pop Daddy Snacks guy. Uh, and uh, he's he's <laughs> what killing, a name. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Pop Daddy, shout out, Pop Daddy. Um, but he's got like this uh, flavored popcorn, right? And so his entire content angle is sort of like him packing orders in the warehouse mm-hmm. and just showing, he's like, you know, we have all these flavors, like, check this out, check this out. And, you know, it's, unpacking orders. I'm packing orders. I'm the American entrepreneur, like, rally behind it type of stuff. And I think it's really yeah. relatable and it's flying off. He's the number TikTok one food TikTok shop, brand I think, is cool. TikTok yeah. shop,
1: I'm watching a lot. I do think that that's a play. If there was one like techie thing that I'm like, you might spend time here and get some like real opportunity, that would be it. I just am not spending as much time there because a lot of the brands that we're working with, it's not a play for them. Yeah. But I do think that TikTok shop is something, especially for smaller band, smaller businesses, yeah. to go play in.
0: Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming through, especially with all this weather. I know this isn't the norm here, but yeah. I appreciate you coming through. That was a phenomenal conversation. I know we could go for Frickin another hour. I agree. Out here in LA. Right? <laughs> yeah, but God, dude, damn. thanks for being here, man. And where can, you, where can they find you? Where can everybody find yeah, you? Yeah,
1: everything is at JT Barnett. JTBARNETT on all platforms so and your company us. as well and your your dot barnetx.com yeah you're com. awesome,
2: com. Yeah. Nice. awesome. Cool. Well, thank you Thanks cool. for thank being you brother here, man. and you know you can always find us uh, sweat equity pod on YouTube Spotify Apple Music um, as usual if you leave a review yeah. like and subscribe we will do a growth playbook for you on the next episode um sometimes we got to talk to a guy like JT but on the next one where it's just Alex and I we're going to pick a listener and try and do that so Please leave a review, five stars if you like it. And uh, yeah, we'll catch y'all next week.